0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim wa ala Amma ba'ala. Alhamdulillah, tonight is the 2nd of December in the year 2023. And alhamdulillah, we've completed the first month, the 30th night, that we're going through the illustrious and blessed life, of the Eminent Companion, Sayyidina Abu Hurairah So as promised to conclude the subsection with regards to his acquisition of the sacred knowledge, it is important to point out that though this noble man would relate correctly, he would still sometimes uh, but he would humbly thereafter retract from his inadvertent error. So this is important. He would relate correctly. But relating correctly does not mean you understand. So when I'm saying that he would sometimes uh, i I'm not saying in his transmission. I'm saying in the understanding. For instance, he initially related the following. Man junuban If the fajr, the dawn comes upon a person and he is junub, i.e., in need of an obligatory bath, he should then not fast. Mm-hmm. This is in Sahih Muslim number 2589 in the chapter on fasting. So he related this. So what does the hadith say? If you need to have a bath and you have not had a bath and the fajr enters, then you should not fast, meaning you cannot fast now. Mm-hmm. However, when someone thereupon went to our beloved muhammad's sayyida aisha and sayyida um salama ladayhuma to inquire about this they responded kana an-nabiyyu sallallahu alayhi wasallam yusbihu junuban min ghayri hulumin thumma yasum the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would be junub in the morning not as a result of a wet dream then he would fast <laughs> This is in Sahih Muslim number 2589 in the chapter on fasting. So who better of this knowledge than Awamudis? And they said, the Prophet would need to have a bath. I in the morning, yusbihu. And he said, and they said, not because of a wet dream. So this was their eloquence, meaning that he's protected from that. So obviously, he's an in intimacy with his wife. But then he said, they said he would fast. Meaning, even though the Fajr entered, He's not had a bath. he would fast. Mm-hmm. Meaning that this is not correct what you've heard. So when the people returned and informed Abu Hurairah of this, he responded, ahuma qalat, ahuma qalat Did they tell you that? They said, yes. He responded, Huma They know better. Abu Hurairah thereupon said, فِي ذَلِكَ إِلَى الْفَدْلِ بْنِ عَبَاسِ وَلَمْ أَسْمَعْهُ مِنَ النَّبِيِ صلى الله عليه وسلم This is from Fadl Ibn Abbas رضي الله I did not hear it directly from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم Those Abu Huraira retracted what he used to say on this issue So let's look at this So when the people then came back to Abu Huraira He said did they say the Aumud He goes yes He humbly said they know better but then he explained what happened. He goes, this report I related to you was not my own. I did not hear the Prophet say these words. It was actually something I took from the cousin of the Prophet, Fadl ibn Abbas, who heard it from the Prophet. Yes. So now, why is that important to highlight? Did he err uh, in the transmission? No, but he basically didn't get the understanding. And then Abu Huraira retracted that meaning even if Fajr enters and you need to have a bath, you can still fast. Mm-hmm. Thus, I should be known to one and all. The only one who is divinely protected from all error was of course no other than our beloved messenger. So I wanted to highlight this at the end of this section, meaning yes, that yes, he retracted. But it wasn't an error of transmission. It was an error of understanding the transmission. And also, this is important. If a Sahaba narrates from the Prophet it does not necessarily mean he heard it direct from the Prophet So what do I mean by that? So, a Sahaba, he did not hear directly from the Prophet, he wasn't with, but he heard it from another Sahaba, like in this instance, Fathullah bin Abbas. Yes. So he's now relating it from Father who heard it from the Prophet Okay. But if the Sahaba doesn't mention the Sahaba who he heard it from, and he, he skips that, and he says, the Prophet said, is that acceptable? Yes. Yes. Only for the sahaba. Because Anas said that the sahaba were all trustworthy. Normally that would weaken the hadith. You didn't hear it direct. You're going through a third source, a second source. But if it's a sahaba, then it oh, doesn't matter if you go through a hundred sahaba. Yeah. If the Prophet said it, he said it. So here this is very important. When he related the wording, junuban fala <laughs> If dawn comes when a person is junub, he should not fast, he related correctly. But he did not hear that directly from the Prophet. Why? This shows that Abu Hurairah was innocent here. Because he would have got the understanding. Father Ibn Abbas, who was the older brother of Abdullah Ibn Abbas, he didn't, he narrated, maybe it was an obligation, whatever the case, he humbly retracted that Abu Hurairah. he goes, no, our mothers are correct. So this shows his humility, he had no pride in his blessed heart. So now let's move on to another subsection. His participation in the campaigns during the lifetime of our beloved Messenger. do Sayyidina Abu Huraira is more famous in his role to preserve the legacy of the sacred sunnah, his name does also feature in a few of the campaigns, both during and after the lifetime of our beloved Messenger. So this is important. I mentioned that his mother prevented him. So you might erroneously think he didn't do jihad. The answer is he did. Both in the lifetime of the Prophet and thereafter. Well, of course, he was restricted. For instance, Sayyidina Abu Huraira had the honor to enter Makkah the glorious day it fell to the believers. So, where's the proof? In Sayyidina Muslim. Nasai Ahmad in his Al Bidayah, volume 4, page 307, Ayat al saaba volume 2, page 35 to 6 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Abu Hurairah, who he relates. When Rasulullah sallallahu entered Makkah, he appointed Zubair wa sallam, to take charge of one of the flanks of the army. He sallallahu then appointed Khalid ibn al Walid wa to take charge of the other flank of the army. Whilst Abu Ubaidah was put in charge of those Muslims who had no armor. So stop in the report. So who's relating all this? Abu Hurairah. So this clearly indicates he's with them. So what's happening? 10,000 companions are coming to Makkah to take it peacefully. Rasulullah has put in charge of one of the flanks, Zubair, one of the Templar his Paradise. He's put the sword of Allah, Khalid bin Walid, in charge of the other flank. And those Muslims who had no armor, another one the Temple of the Templars, Abu Ubaid is in charge of that. Squadron leaders. Then Abu Huraira said, the Quraysh then gathered their riff of their society and said, We will send this lot forward to engage the Muslims. If they achieve any success, we shall join them. If they are defeated, we shall have to give in to the demands of Muhammad. So these were the diehard of the unbelieving Gurish. Abu Sufyan saying don't do it. So it's not on his authority. But some diehard said, no, we're going to have one last go. If they manage managed to break through, we will help them. If not, we will just politically submit to the Prophet Later when Rasulullah learnt of this, he called for me. On arrival, I said, I am at your service, Ya Rasulullah The Prophet said, Call the Ansar for me. And make sure nobody but they come to me. So stop in the report. Clearly proving Abu Hurairah is here in the conquest. Mm-hmm. So look how interesting. of all the Sahabah, who did the Prophet ask to? Because Abu Hurairah, where is he? Because go and call the Ansar. Mm-hmm. I then called them and they arrived and gathered around the Prophet Wasallam. He thereupon said Wasallam. Do you see the riffraff of the Quraysh and those with them? Then, passing his hand over the other, he instructed, "Mow them the riffraff down and meet me a Safa. Mm. So the Prophet himself called them riffraff, meaning these are just like going against their elders. They've taken the law into their own hands; they're going to cause bloodshed. So I want you, the noble Ansar, to deal with them. In other words, you know, finish them off before they cause any problems. And then he says, then meet me at Mount Safa. Hmm. Abu Hurairah continued, we then proceeded. Indeed, we were in a position of killing as many of the Quraysh we pleased, whilst none of them were in any position to offer any serious resistance, meaning they had no chance. Hmm. Abu Sufyan ibn Harb thereupon said, الله, Ya Rasulullah, that alayhi You have permitted the extermination of the Quraysh. There shall thus now be none left of the Quraysh after today. So what's happened? The chief who submitted Abu Sufyan of the Quraysh, he's thinking about his tribe obviously. So he goes, Ya Rasulullah, you've given permission to kill. He goes, what will be left of the Quraysh? The Prophet thereupon said, Whoever locks his door will be safe. Whoever enters the dwelling of Abu Sufyan, he will also be safe. The people then wisely lock their dwellings. So the Prophet ﷺ honored Abu Sufyan because he was the chief, he submitted. He goes, whoever goes into their dwellings, we will not touch them. Whoever enters your dwelling, which is a large dwelling, we will not touch them. Another report mentions, whoever's around the Kaaba, they are also safe. Meaning, I'm only targeting those causing mischief. Like they say, you know, sending the special forces to deal with the problem. <laughs> like carpet bombers, they say. <laughs> like you know, hear on the news now, Astaghfirullah. <laughs> so, why have I mentioned this before? Because who is in the middle of all this? Abu Haleidah. So if a person goes, he, will, he never participated in jihad, was he doing it in the conquest of Makkah? Indeed, it was after this glorious event, that our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi was proudly observing many of his noble companions. In Tirmidhi, number 3872, is Hassan Gharib. Ahmad in his Musnad, number 8728. Mishkat number 6262, or volume 2, page 173, in the chapter on the companions in general. Sheikh al-Bani, rahmatullah alayhi, stated Sahih. In Sahih al-Jami, number 6776. Sayyidina Abu Huraira, r.a, relates. In a journey with Rasulullah we halted at a place, and the people began to pass by us. Rasulullah thereupon asked sallallahu alaihi wasallam, "Man hada ya Abu Huraira? Who is he, O Abu Huraira?" I named him, to which he sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Nima abdullah, an excellent servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. stop the quote. So what is happening? So this is after Makkah, I believe, had fallen. So these are the forces of Islam. Because they were armored, you couldn't see who they were. So Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi asked Abu Hurairah, who is that person Abu Hurairah? So Abu Hurairah mentioned him, because they mentioned his name. And Rasulullah's response, excellent servant of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala." Then he asked sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, "Manhada? Who is this, ya Abu Hurairah? And when I told him, the Prophet sallallahu said, Bi'asa Abdullah, an evil servant hmm. of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm. Abu Halayna said, this continued until Khalid ibn al-Walid passed by. And he asked, Man hada? Who is this? I replied, Khalid ibn al-Walid. To which Rasulullah responded, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ni'ma abdullahi Khalid ibn al-Walid sayfam min suyufillah an excellent servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala a sword from the very swords of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala <laughs> subhanallah so let's look at this so where is it recorded right so had a dream the hadith is in Tidmadi Ahmad Mishkat and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah stated sahih in Sahih ul-jamih so flawless report so now what's interesting ten thousand sahaba there was some rotten apples amongst them so who were these rotten apples? These are ones who were apostatized. Mm-hmm. Some of the people who had embraced Islam, they were doing it for political reasons. So Rasulullah, who was he warning? Abu Hurairah. Mm-hmm. And look how wise Abu Hurairah was, radiallahu. Abu Hurairah did not mention their names. If you look at the Hadith, it goes, so and so, ya Rasulullah. He knew who it was. Why? Because he didn't cause fitna. It is important to note that now people for the first time had been embracing Islam merely for worldly motives. For it had now become the dominant force in the Arabian Peninsula. Like you say, join the winning team. (laughs) Note also how our beloved Messenger equipped the noble companion Abu Huraira with some knowledge of the hypocrites and mischief mongers about which he had later famously mentioned in Sayyid Bukhari that he has memorized two containers of narrations one of which if he mentioned his throat would be cut. So, look, so, when a person says, for instance, who is the keeper of secrets? So you say, Hudayfa, Ibn al-Yamman, correct, Who else has some of the secrets of Rasulullah? Then a guy starts looking, go, who else has got it? Because Abu Hurairah. And he goes, well, where is Where is that mentioned? Tim-madi. Shaykh al-Bani said, Because then you mentioned the report. What did the Prophet say to Abu Hurairah? What an evil servant! So, what's Abu Hurairah now? Nah? He knows about that servant. He goes, Be careful of him. And the Abu Hurairah then said, This continued, meaning I don't want to tell you about all the details. Sometimes the Prophet said, Excellent servant. Sometimes he said, Evil servant. Bin walid, look at his status. Because Who's that? And when he was told, the Prophet didn't just say, Excellent servant. He added something. He goes, Khalid ibn nul Walid, Saifan minsayufillah. A sword from the swords of Allah. Meaning he is extra special. And notice this is all signs of prophethood. You've been through his life. You realize he was a sword of Allah. So how did the prophet know that? What if he was killed with the first arrow? Right? So how is he, everything he's saying is like just coming true. Because he's a Rasulullah. But note he didn't say he is the sword. This is a misquote. Because he is a sword from the swords of Allah. Meaning, mean there's other swords as well. Some people say the sword, he's not the sword, he's a sword, meaning why? Because you're disrespecting other saab. For example, wasn't Ali a sword of Allah? Then the guy goes, Well, yeah, oh well, would mean well yeah, right? Of course he was. Wasn't Hamza a sword of Allah? So here the Prophet was saying he's a sword that Allah, Allah is gonna use to destroy. In one report, the Prophet said that he is unleashed against the unbelievers and hypocrites. That's a very interesting addition. So not only did he deal with the kuffar, the Persian unbelievers, the Roman unbelievers, he dealt with the hypocrites. So who were they? The apostates. Because there was the apostasy was People that feigned to pledge allegiance, political allegiance, who dealt with them. Khalid bin Walid, you saw Yoha as well. So Allah ta'ala sent him to deal with these people. And note the humility of Khalid bin Walid, right? He didn't really propagate this. It was the other companions who mentioned, he's a sword of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So not Abu Hurairah, he was now on the battlefield. And was he just on the fringe? No, he was so close to the Prophet. No, the Prophet is calling him every other moment. Please come here Abu Hurairah, gather the answer for me. Oh Abu Hurairah, who's this? Who's that? It's like he's with the Prophet, his personal servant. In the year 8 AH, there occurred the famous encounter at Mu'tah against a huge Byzantine force of around 200,000 soldiers against a believing force of just 3,000. So now think about that. If somebody goes, what's the odds against the enemy? Because the enemy has got a 67 to 1 advantage over you. (laughs) Are you going to join that campaign? 3,000 versus 200,000. Abu Huraira relates, I participated in the battle of Mutah. To stop the report. Was he brave? (laughs) When the polytheist arrived, we saw that none of us could ever have hoped too much. Mm. Their numbers were overwhelming, as were their weapons, their horses, their velvet, their silk, their gold. The sight actually made my eyes squint. Mm. So, look how graphically he's describing Abu Haredi because we we couldn't see the end of the force. Mm. And how's he describing them with all the pomp and finally? The horses, velvets. Why? Because the Romans known for this. Mm-hmm. It was then that Thabit ibn Arkham said, Radiyallahu, Ya Abu Huraira, Radiyallahu, It appears that you are seeing an overwhelming force. So one of the Sahabah noticed, Abu Huraira is like, We say, Parishan. He was worried. So Thabit ibn Arkham said, Are you worried? So Abu Huraira goes, I certainly am. He then said, You were not with us at Badr. It is not with large numbers that we are helped. <laughs> I but rather with the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Behaqi. Al-Bidayah, volume 4, page 244. ibn Katil, Sida volume 3, page 330 of the English translation. al Isaba, volume 1, page 190. ayyad al volume 5, page 677 7 of the New English translation. So now Abu Hader is in the Baal of Mu'tah. So now what do you notice? His speciality wasn't Jihad. <laughs> But well, that doesn't mean, he's just like a man of letters, because some people give you that impression. Because oh, no, he was like more to do with knowledge, and you know, he kept away, kept away from what, brother, mm-hmm. right? COVID nineteen. What did he keep away from, right? He goes jihad, because he he's not really known for that. Then you say to them, what was the most overwhelming odds the Sahaba ever f- faced? He goes, uh, well, don't mm-hmm. know. No. So then you go, right. Is the battle of Mu'tah? Mm-hmm. Was Rasulullah on the battlefield? No. Mm-hmm. Who was the commander of the Muslim forces? It was uh, Zayd. Good. Zayd ibn al-Haritha. Who was the second in command? It was um, Abdullah ibn Rawah. That was the third. It was um, ja- uh, Ja'far. 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 Ibn Abu Talib. Then it was Abdullah ibn Rawah. The Prophet appointed them. They were all martyred in this, in this campaign. So think about it it was an unbelievable encounter. Who is one of the participants? Abu Huraira. Who else do you want to know about his jihad? So if you think about it, he didn't blow his own trumpet, but something did happen on that battlefield, which I'll mention tomorrow inshallah. Something did happen and we need to look at that and we will realize that there's things we need to be aware of in terms of the fiqh and understanding on battlefield. So all I mentioned today, was basically, I mentioned one example where Abu Huraira related correctly what he heard. Mm. Not in transmission, but in understanding. But no, that was from Father ibn Abbas. <coughs> uh, and he humbly retracted that. Why? Because if you're wrong, you're wrong. And now we're discussing or taking a glimpse into his participation in the campaigns during Rasulullah's lifetime. So the And not he's now on the battlefield. And rightly so, why? Because he wanted to be on the battlefield. Maybe his mother gave him permission. (laughs) But to be honest with you, how would your mother give you permission against this force? And the response to that is, they didn't know they were going to fight such a huge force. That's why they stopped in their tracks and they were thinking of sending a message back to the Prophet. Saying, look, if he had known we're going to face this, he wouldn't have sent such a small number. Let's send a a message, SOS message back to the Prophet. And he might send reinforcements. But then the third in command goes, No, we've come for martyrdom or victory. What's this about sending a letter back? So he goes, Yeah, we're ready to go forward. Who was one of those who said, Yeah, we're ready to go forward? Abu Hurairah. That's why his, and if his mother had known that, I don't think he would have let her son go on his campaign. But this was the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are there any questions you like ask? So, we have to اللهم that we have to إلا that we have to say that we have to say that we have to